Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I want to congratulate you on two things. One, having Luris in your day two draft without having it in the companion slot. I know that was difficult for you, and I thank you. Props, props, but even more importantly, Congrats on crushing the first draft and getting a 3-1 record. So you are on to the second draft we're recording right now in between your two drafts. So listeners, Ethan may have some fat money in his pocket when you're listening to this, or he may not. Hopefully, you get the cash. Yeah, I had one loss to give, and I gave it in match one, which felt bad. I lost my first three games, actually, <laughs> uh, in the day two draft. Lost uh, games one and two in match one against Immersturm Predator, and then lost game one of match two against like a green-red, just mono top end. It was like Glorybringer into Vornclex, into Worm Coil Engine, into Embercleave. And I was like, okay, oh, I guess I'm, I'm going to O2 drop this thing, which feels bad, but then managed to managed to rally and rattle it off and and get into uh, the second draft today. So yeah, just got to get one one win and then I can cash, which is nice. Sweet. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. And we should uh, we could update folks because we also had a there was a tournament last weekend, the uh, PTQ, the ABCDEFQ. Oh, yeah. That I made day two of, but promptly one two'd just could not uh, could not rally there. My pool was fine, but not as good as my day one pool. And I, I was pretty happy with my deck, but just you know, faced better decks and, and better players, honestly. So, um, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But hopefully, hopefully I can uh, can show some love to the Jund Garbo of the world in this arena cube, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Speaking of facing yeah. better decks and better players, I scrubbed out hard yesterday from the arena open. Oof. I did. I went and counted. I mentally only had seven attempts, but turns out there were nine. So I must have rage blanked out somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Just blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had, had nine runs, three of which like were tilt drafts. They don't really count. So six legitimate runs had a positive record in all six of my legitimate runs, but just oh, wow. kept running up against opponents that had it all. And I, I'm sure there are some things I could have done differently in drafts and gameplay and stuff. But just just to give an example of how my day went, I was playing blue white control and I had an opportunity to stick Shark Typhoon on the board against a red black deck. I thought, man, they're playing red black. There's no way they can deal with this. This is going to be great. I'm going to win easily from here. And my opponent promptly played their fourth swamp and snapped off Invoke Despair, which makes Ooh. you sacrifice a creature, an enchantment, or a planeswalker. So there went my Shark Typhoon in my turn and the game, like just stuff like that over and over and over again. Yeah, my I, did, I had two attempts yesterday. First one, I went 0-2 drop. And then the second one, I was, I think, three and two, and then was up to six and two. And in my final game, just had the most insane match where this was the sequence of events that happened. I had Gonti, a third Gonti trigger. I was playing against this like ridiculous green ramp deck. Um, the third Gonti that resolved, I forget what the choice was between, but I snagged Coma the Cosmo Serpent. That was an exile for me. The following turn, my opponent, and this was actually like ruining my life, was the fact that they had. Uh, Vivian, the six mana one that can like uptick to basically birthing pot a creature, sack a creature, and then go find one with mana value one greater than it. And they had Vorinclex in play as well. And the trample was wrecking me because my whole plan was like, you know, I was going to block sack, but I couldn't do it against that. And Vorinclex was like ruining my Yawgmoth counter's life. It was all terrible. <laughs> and then they sacked Vorinclex with Vivian to go find Coma, except they couldn't because it was in exile for me oh. from Gonti. <laughs> Wow. Then I managed to uh, drain them out in one turn with like three. I had like 
a blood artist, a cruel celebrant, and then I think another blood artist from the Sanguine Brushstroke and sacked my entire board for Xaxes against them. And they had great henge in play, so like had to be in that window. So I definitely got lucky there, but just a pretty epic game. So if my opponent is out there listening, um, great games to you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the cube. I know we've had very different experiences, very different levels of enjoyment with this cube. And then I think we're going to go through my day one first draft that has happened already. And and hopefully we'll have a good one to uh, talk about next week a little bit uh, after that. But some housekeeping stuff to take care of. First, let's talk about the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Uh, A lot of great stuff over there at the Patreon page. You get access to our Discord if you give back to the show. You can get access to the show a day in advance. We're recording on Sunday, but do my darndest to get that out to you as soon as I'm done with my second draft of the Arena Open. That'll be edited and in your listening buds for those patrons there. Get access to the show notes in advance of the show. Get access to a private section of the Discord and even get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. Um, So if that sounds of interest to you, that's the place to go. And we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they joined. So this week we're welcoming Jay, Wesley, Logan, and Olivia. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Merry Christmas to you and all the other patrons, as well as all of our listeners out there as we head into the holiday season. Cheers. Wow, from a Grinch himself. That means a lot. I'm trying to come around this year. I don't know. It's probably not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Show is also brought to you by TCG Player, tcgplayer.com, best place for anything you need magic related. The thing we want to shout out is the TCG Player subscription for $6.99 a month. That gets you free shipping and tracking. So it's a no brainer if you're making purchases from TCG. In addition to that, you get some extra bonus bucks, as well as most importantly, access to those CFB Pro articles that you, I, and Alex write every week, as well as a bunch of other MTG pros. So for all of that content um, and all of that sealed product, tcgplayer.com. And for anything that you're doing over there, we would really appreciate you taking the time to navigate through our affiliate link to make your purchases to help out the show. So you can go to lordsoflimited.com slash tcgplayer. That will redirect you to our affiliate link. Or you can go to our website, lordsoflimited.com. Check out everything else that's on the website while you're there. But most importantly, click that support tab and then click the TCG player link. Boom, baby. All right, let's chat a little bit about the Arena Cube. We talked about it briefly last week. We had some more important business to attend to with our brothers for the 300th episode. And Ben even was like, eh, like, it feels weird. Are we going to do a Cube episode after the open? But it is up for the next two weeks. And I think we're going to have a lot of folks playing it. And I was doing a lot of coaching sessions with some folks this week in anticipation of the open. And so I think there's a lot of people out there hungry for Cube, but are very daunted by it. And this Cube specifically, I think, has some quirks to it. So I wanted to chat about those. Yeah, for sure. I am interested in chatting about this cube with you. So the varied takes I have seen on the cube are quite broad. Like I've seen a lot of different thoughts about what the best or worst archetypes, best or worst colors are. I think mono colored aggro decks like red and white and even green, which uh, is a a new addition, I think this time around that I want to chat about and blue white control and black sacrifice seem like the best decks, I would say. But honestly, a lot seems viable to me so far. Here are my thoughts and I will be curious (laughs) to hear your opinion on it. I think everything's pretty good as a person that played cube for an entire day all day yesterday. I played a lot of different decks and I played against a lot of different decks and I won with a lot of stuff. I lost with a lot of stuff. I think it's all kind of viable. My take about the arena cube would be that the best deck is whatever's open in your seat and whatever you're getting the good cards for, because the good cards are so much better than all of the other cards that I think if you're seeing 
premium white cards, you should be playing white. If you're seeing premium black cards, you should be playing black. And then just trying to figure out a shell that you can fit around those cards. It's almost like bro draft on steroids to me. Is yes. How I've been processing the cube, which is makes sense why I don't like it because I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of bro. But uh, yeah, I think everything's kind of viable. I think everything is kind of viable too. I mean, you could get into the weeds about what, you know, what is the best color? What's the, the worst color? Whatever. Um, but I agree. I think everything is largely viable. We'll talk about my approach to this weekend a little later before we get into my draft log. I sort of have outlined some thoughts about the archetypes in general. And if you want to pipe in or if you find any of the stuff you know worth chatting about, we can uh, breeze past it if not. But I think the decks that are the fussiest in terms of only a handful of engine payoffs are blue, white, blink and green, white counters. And this is aside from, so like, let's talk about maybe the best decks are mono red, mono white, some mixture of red and white aggro, mono green, though I think that comes together a lot less often, blue, white control, and, and black-based sacrifice. And so then blue-white blink and green-white counters, I think, are a little fussy just because in this version, you know, blue-white blink in the Tinkerer's Cube has a ton of, you know, engine-y payoffs like Thassa Deep Dwelling or Soul Herder. In this one, I think it's just Teleportation Circle and Displacer Kitten. I don't know if there's anything else. Yeah, there's a lot I'd like to unpack there. I, I agree. There's not much support for this blue-white blink deck. I do think that it's not really a deck so much as you get cards that are good to blink and then happen to see a teleportation circle. I don't think you're taking either of these two cards and thinking I'm going to draft blue, white, blink. You draft good cards and then you see a teleportation circle that wheels and maybe you play it, maybe you don't. Yes, I think that's definitely true. And that's sort of how I feel about green, white counters as well. Like there's Conclave Mentor, there's Hardened Scales, there's Vorin Clex. And not that there's often more than that in, you know, other cubes that we see on Arena to support this archetype, but just that like, I think Green White should just be more of a, like an aggro beatdown deck. And if you happen to do the counters thing, cool, but like Hardened Scales almost certainly doesn't belong in your deck. Sure. I think it's like a similar thing where you maybe wheel a hardened scales that looks great. You're not right. taking hardened scales early and trying to draft a green white counters deck. I think it's a similar thought to the blue white blink deck. But I do want to skip even further back and push back against a little bit that the monocolored aggro decks are the best decks in the cube. You know I'm going to be fine with this pushback. I, I don't draft these decks very often, but I feel like that's the scuttle. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I think that's the scuttle and I feel like it's turned into a bit of an echo chamber with what's happening with those aggro decks. And I do think that there's just a ton of risk reward to drafting those decks because listen, I did this a lot yesterday, a lot of bullets in the old open. (laughs) And when I was rage drafting, I was trying to force those decks and they're just not really forcible. And also if you are trying to force them, you get yourself in a lot of trouble without much wiggle room. And I think if people are drafting the cube, right, it should be really hard to get good monocolored red decks or monocolored white decks. So I don't even necessarily agree with the thought that those are the best decks I, I just i think the best cards in the cube are the best cards in the cube and then you draft shells around whatever you see of those good cards when i was looking through the lord's limited discord yesterday for the decks that people qualified with or scrolling through twitter to see the decks that people were posting that they qualified for day two with it was a lot of that though it was a lot of mono red mono white some mixture of the two aggressive decks And then I feel like blue-white control was in there, a couple weird like blue-black tempo or blue-black control decks, and and then of course some some black sacrifice decks. But the presence of so many of those decks made me think like, well, I feel like we got to shout these out, even though I don't draft them. Specifically, for one of the reasons you're talking about it is like, there's no off-ramp 
You know, it's kind of like drafting sort of what I was struggling with with white for a while in bro, because I do think the formats are kind of similar. Cube and bro are kind of similar. Is what I was feeling about white was that there, it's hard to get an off ramp. Like white plays well with white cards, but in terms of mixing well with the other colors, it doesn't do that super well. It's like got its own plan and its own identity. And I think the same is true when you're drafting like a white aggressive deck or a red aggressive deck, you can pigeonhole yourself pretty quickly. And if that deck is contested, you can get into a huge, huge amount of trouble. Right, exactly. And I mean, granted, my opinion is coming from someone who went 0-9 <laughs> in, in sure. qualifying runs yesterday. So take that for what you will. But I do think one of the reasons that you would see all of those deck pictures is you get unlimited bullets in the open too, uh-huh. right? So like the people that do qualify are going to be people that spiked those decks being open in their pods. Sure. And when they're open, they are very good. But I think you would see a much different picture if there was only one chance to qualify. You know what I mean? Like if you couldn't buy in unlimited times, that was what I was getting so frustrated with mentally yesterday was like, once you get to five, six wins, yes, you're playing against the people that did spike mono red being open or mono white being open. But for every one of those, there's also probably multiple others that tried to force it and failed, you know? Right. How many people train wrecked that, you know, fizzled out at two or three losses or two or three wins rather. Right. So I just also want to shout out all my people out there that struggled in the arena open yesterday. Like, because I went through a period in the middle, I did three normal drafts and then three drafts where I was trying to force aggro decks and then three more normal drafts at the end. And by far, my worst three decks were the three aggro decks in the middle. So I'm sure there are people out there that are going to be listening to, you know, all this cube stuff and saying, well, I tried to draft red aggro. I tried to draft white aggro. My decks were bad. And I think there's going to be some of that, too. So I do think for every, you know, whatever trophy mono white or mono red deck, there are multiple others that probably tried to force and didn't get there. So a bit of that is survivorship bias, I think. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to highlight this because we certainly... I think have in the past said this, hey, if you're new to cube, these are some great decks to latch onto because you can force them. I'm not quite sure if I believe that to be true. I think you can maybe go in with that idea, but recognize that maybe other people are doing that too. And you've got to have an idea of where the off ramp is, you know, because if you don't, you're going to end up with a messy draft. Sometimes you can win the lottery there, but sometimes if you're contested, you're going to end up with a a weak version of that archetype. And I don't think that's where you want to be. Well, and I think we also are generally giving that advice for just cube drafts for fun, where people are much less incentivized to try hard to get into those decks. You know, Mm -hmm. in a competitive environment, people are much more incentivized to try to get into red and white aggressive strategies. They are good. And, And maybe they are some of the better strategies in the cube, but they also get less good when they're contested, like significantly less good when they're contested. Well, and this came up a lot in my coaching sessions, and I hadn't quite like codified this in this way. But one of the things that I think is important in cube, way more than regular draft, is the wheel. Because like in a regular draft, you know, whatever, card quality drops off. Sometimes you can wheel awesome cards for your deck. But a lot of times, you know, you're wheeling just like filler cards that don't matter. And that's fine because you can piece together a deck from your first eight picks from each pack. You have 24 picks. Maybe you cut one or two, and and there's your deck. You add your lands. But in cube, you're drafting lands, right? If you end a cube draft and you don't have any lands in your deck, I think either whatever you've companioned, you're in and you couldn't take lands maybe. But otherwise, I think you've like done something pretty wrong, I would say, where you don't have lands because you get so much power of like, you know, you draft lands highly. So once you find your two color pair, your mana base is better for your two color deck or your splash is, you know, free in your two color deck. Or you've got modal double faced cards that are you're counting as lands or you have, you know, creature lands, whatever lands with activated abilities, all that 
stuff adds power to your deck for you know very little cost. And so when you are taking those lands, then you need picks from the wheel. And so if you're trying to get into, you know, let's say you, you're looking at a pack with like Kamano faces Kakazan in it, as like that's a good aggressive one drop saga. But if there's no other red cards in the pack, if you're not wheeling something out of that pack, you can be in trouble for two reasons. One, because you're not getting two picks out of that pack. But two, because you're not getting information, right? If you have like another red card in that pack, and then when the pack wheels and that card's there, great, that's information. When the pack wheels and that card isn't there, less great, but still information that like, okay, someone else is messing around in this space, you know? Right. And then that might be the sign to abandon ship for sure. Yeah, for sure. So I, th- I think the wheel is, is pretty darn important. And we'll talk about my thoughts on the wheel specifically when we get to my draft log. Okay, so that's blue, white, blank, green, white counters. The decks that seem much more like pile of good cards have been black, green, and blue, black to me. Pretty value. Like you posted this deck, was it Thursday or Friday? You were like, can I please start draft this for the cube open? This like ridiculous black, green value deck. Yeah, also had a sacrifice sub theme in it. I was splashing a mayhem devil as well. The one black, red, three, three, that whenever you sack a permanent, it deals damage to anything. I think there's a lot of synergy with that card in the cube between treasures and blood and just lots of ways to make tokens and free sacrifice outlets have been pretty impressed with mayhem devil. And then the three decks that I think are easiest to perhaps fall into a trap with or they're the hardest to draft a focused version of or the flip side is the easiest to draft an unfocused version is red, green, black, white and blue, red. So it was red green done a lot of deck techs this week for cubes this is where this is coming from red green i feel like people get caught between aggro versions ramp versions value do you have plus one plus one counters that matter for black white again it's like are you an aggressive version of this deck are you focused on like two for one saga value or something like that are you a sacrifice deck blue red are you aggressive are you tempo are you a sort of doubling spells with double vision and ral type deck or are you trying to cast big spells are you going for like magma opus stuff like that and sometimes you can have you know good cube drafters will have nice overlap between those archetypes sometimes or a plan a and a good plan b as a backup sometimes but a lot of times i just see like two halves of two different decks in a 40 card version you know yeah i completely agree with that thought i think of those decks as well i'm going to give my two cents on the best versions i think red green is ramping into large threats from both red and green so like the hasty dragons yes. from red and the big giant monsters like vorinclex etc mm-hmm. from green you're just trying to ramp out like four five six ahead of schedule and just really crush your opponent that way and i think black white is almost certainly the best as sacrifice with a lot of the blood artist effects where when a creature dies you drain and gain and just looping those and just generating a bunch of rectangles uh throwing back to bro Ooh. rectangle theory yeah um but yeah i think sacrifice certainly is the best of black white and then blue red i i do think it's ral and doubling spells i think that's better than the tempo aggro version i agree with all three of those assessments and then i wanted to chat about mono green a little bit because i haven't drafted it myself but i faced it a handful of times and the first time i was like oh this seems like a, a cute meme maybe this was like a newer player mono green doesn't seem like there's that big of a reason to do it and then i started facing mono green with defiler of vigor which is the five mana six six trample um and it you know you can spend phyrexian mana on your green creatures and whenever you have cast a green creature you put a plus and plus one counter on your whole board if you ramp that out right you play an elf you play an incubation druid whatever and you play defiler on four with a green one drop as a follow-up that has been 
very oppressive to face. So I, I'm on the lookout for mono green for sure. Yeah, I've not actually seen straight mono green yet. I've faced green stompy decks that have support from other colors, but not straight mono green, nor have I drafted it myself. So I'll be on the lookout for that as well. And then just going back to the cube in general, the busted cards, we've talked about it, seem largely the same. I will say one difference is that the wraths have really impressed me this time around. Yeah, the white wraths seem very good. And I don't know if that was just because a lot of the optimal strategies people were playing in best of one were very aggressive creature centric strategies, but wraths totally crushed me. And when I had them were very good. And then sometimes I had them and just could never find them. (laughs) I needed them, but (laughs) the wraths were really good. And farewell specifically, I want to shout out. I mean, I, I think one of my thoughts about the wraths is that like, they're redundant in a sense, right? There's Wrath of God, there's Time Wipe, there's Farewell, there's Settle the Wreckage, there's Realm Cloaked Giant. Like there's, there is a lot of them. And then Red certainly has a, a handful of sweepers as well, Sweltering Suns, the Bring Down the House. Like, you know, there's a lot of ways to deal with the board of creatures in various colors. Farewell specifically with Exile existing, with the, the modes of that card, plus Exile in Graveyards, right? One of the reasons that I like Black Sacrifice decks so much, and we'll talk about them when we get to my draft, is its resiliency against those kinds of effects. But Farewell just you know dumps that resiliency in the garbage. Yes, I completely was on the receiving end of that. My last deck that I played was a very good blue-white control deck, and I just got ground out by a black-red deck that had tons of unearth and lots of ways to grind. Yeah, some cards that have really impressed me from... DMU, Bro, and Alchemy, uh, the Alchemy versions of those sets, because those are the newest sets since we've seen this cube. And we should shout out that last week we did talk about this. We're like, oh, Alchemy cards are in this cube and the Alchemy versions. Well, one of those statements is true, right? Alchemy cards are in the cube. Patriarch's Humiliation, you know, cards from HBG. But the Alchemy versions of cards like Luminarch Aspirant or Alrin's Epiphany, those are back as their broken versions. Asika's Chariot, you know, no longer makes just a tutu. It's back making both tutus. You know, Luminarch Aspirant, that's making a counter in your combat step, not at the end of turn. So I think that's important to note because those cards, like I think, were sort of tempered and are now back up to the, maybe not Alrin's Epiphany, but they're now back up to um, those busto busto tier of the cube cards. Oh, yeah. All three of those are top of the power rankings. Alrin's Epiphany is great. I will not have people smearing blue. I think that was one of the worst things that I did yesterday in the cube. Like I read so much stuff in the Lords of Limited Discord about how blue was bad, and it was just kind of in the back of my head. Blue is fine in this cube. There are very good blue cards in this cube. Yeah. Yes, blue's great in the cube. That's what I'm saying. I think everything's um, worth doing. So some cards from the most recent sets that have impressed me. Mural, Shield of Argive, that's the four mana three, four um, soldier in white that when it attacks makes a number of one, one soldiers equal to the number of soldiers you have. But more importantly, the fact that your opponent can't like activate abilities or cast spells on your turn with that card just hoses so many game plans. Yeah, I have not been as impressed with it. I do agree that the more relevant ability is that they can't cast spells on your turn. Mm hmm. But are you also having soldier synergy along with it? Because I found it was way too slow to actually get going as far as pooping out a reasonable amount of tokens. No, I mean, I think it does a very poor, you know, it's a poor person's hero of blade hold impression in that respect. But much more as just like, this is a good four drop play because of how many decks or game plans or board states it can impact effectively immediately. All right. Yeah, that checks out. Uh, Portal to Phyrexia. 
busted in bro and i'm happy to report still busted here and there's quite a bit of support i drafted a sweet jeskai turbo loot slash mill deck with portal and repair and recharge which i think is another pretty underrated card in the cube as well Um, but there's a lot of ways you know a lot of ways to turbo through your deck get that in the bin replay it i also had get that in the bin with uh, the sphinx that let the seven mana five five flyer sphinx etbs lets you cast an instant sorcery or artifact from your graveyard that also works with portal um, so I'd be on the lookout for that. And I mean, surprise to no one, Shieldred the Apocalypse is just absolutely busted here as well, I think. Just like five toughness feels relevant. It's got a really good home in the black decks in that four drop slot. And just hoses a lot of blue decks. And my, our, our friend uh, Stunlock FTW messaged me a couple screenshots yesterday with him having Shieldred in play. His opponent cast Brainstorm. Oops, that's six <laughs> no. life. His opponent had to disallow their own Midnight Clock 12 counter trigger <laughs> because of Shouldred being in play. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So of those cards we just talked about, Mural, Portal, Repair, and Recharge, and Shieldred, the only one of those four that is premium is Shieldred, correct? I agree with that. Yeah. If I have to pick one of those, for sure, Shouldred. Yeah. Like the others, you're not first picking, and I would say almost even more interested in wheeling, Yeah. Yeah, Portal, I think, because it's pretty unique, I think you could sort of like take it and be like, this is my deck's game plan. I'm going to try and support it. But I agree with that. Like, Mural is not like a reason to draft white. I just, you know, I was going through the cube list last night looking at, okay, what are the cards from the most recent sets that feel really impactful? And these were the ones that jumped out to me. Yeah, for sure. I've got a few others to add on here. I did not play the Arena Cube whenever it was out post SNC. So a lot of the Mm. SNC cards were new for me as well. Um, I was really impressed with Sanctuary Warden, the four white, white, five, five flyer that comes into play with two shield counters. And you can remove a counter from something to make a one, one and draw a card. Card has been very good as a six drop finisher. Uh, Hourglass Coven as well. Oh, um, four yeah. Black was insane in HBG and insane in this cube as well. Worm Coil Engine, the six mana, six, six, Death Touch, Lifelink is ridiculous that ties into two three threes with those respective abilities as well. I also have been pretty impressed with Haughty Jin, just making things cheaper in blue decks that have a lot of spells specifically it's at its best in blue red and an aggressive version of blue red but Mm -hmm. that card has been must get off the battlefield as well but honestly just a lot of premium six and seven drop finishers i think in the cube from the last time around that were higher picks than i would have expected something like titan of industry from snc i think is one of the best top end things for green now. And that was not quite on my radar until after, you know, I had four or five drafts yesterday done in the open. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is, it's one of the skills in cube, I think is knowing when to pick and choose the expensive cards because they're, you know, as you said, they're some of the best cards in the cube for sure, but they're also quite prevalent. And so like the difference between, do you get, an hourglass coven, a worm coil engine, a sanctuary warden, a titan of industry, you know, you're gonna get those, you're gonna get one of those. And how many can you play if you're not, you know, a ramp strategy, you're you're limited to just a you know one or two of those kind of top end effects. And I think that's one of the things that is an easy trap for a lot of people. But I agree, I think, you know, knowing which ones are really the ones that are worthwhile. And those are some of them. Yeah, I think that is prevailing cube wisdom is that you're going to end up with some sort of six drop finisher. I feel like They're better in this cube than in most cubes, though. And I think especially if you're green or are ramping to them in some fashion, you would want to load up on more of them than you would in a typical cube deck, in my experience, at least. Like so many games I played yesterday hinged on who got to play a very powerful six drop 
on time, like at the right point in the game. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because of the kind of deck that I gravitate towards so often, which is the Black Sacrifice deck. That deck is really not interested in a lot of top end. Like you've got room for an Hourglass Coven, a Noxious Gear Hulk. You don't, you can't really load up on a ton there because that deck is so reliant on redundant effects, cheap things that you can sacrifice, etc. Sure. No, I agree. And like normally I am 100% with you. I just, for whatever reason, have felt that those six drops are better than they have been in most cubes. So maybe I'm and, wrong there and I've got the wrong read on it, but that's no, my, I, my two cents. I, I think that's totally fair. I'm, I'm curious. So then once you, if you start off a draft, let's say with like a couple of those, let's say you're starting with like Worm Coil Engine and Hourglass Coven. Are you trying to steer into green if at all possible? I mean, obviously you're aggressively taking the two mana rocks, no matter what I would think, but are you now taking the three mana rocks highly as well? Like how does that change your picks at all? Not three mana rocks. And again, hoping not to start with those six drafts, but if I am green, like once I know I'm green and I'm ramping, I'm uh, taking them way more aggressively than I would in a normal cube because I think there are so many more finishers in like the vintage cube or something that just mm. win the game on the spot. Like even these finishers are are very good, but then you're still playing magic after they come down. There aren't <laughs> a lot of crater hoof behemoths or things of that right. ilk, you know. So I, I have just found that you really want a redundancy of them if you're ramping to them. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, so my thoughts going into this weekend were, I don't know, and not like quite metagamey, but I just like wanted to do what I felt best doing, which was forcing black-based sacrifice decks, which I feel like are largely from my past, whatever, four days playing cube on Arena throughout the week before the weekend is pretty darn underrated, pretty easy to get into. And it's like a deck that I know how to draft. I know like what I can pick and what can wheel. I feel really comfortable building it and piloting it. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the open. Sweet. Yeah, I was on a similar place. Not necessarily that I wanted to draft Black Sacrifice. My going into the open, I was thinking I really wanted to stay open and draft, just draft cube as best I could to try to end up with a good deck. And that ended up pushing me towards black a lot because I think a lot of people were trying to force white, trying to force red, steering away from blue. I drafted blue more towards the end of the day after I realized that blue was still good and viable. I wish I'd been doing that more Mm. earlier, but I did end up drafting a lot of black in the open yesterday as well. Yeah, I think it's just really well positioned. Um, It's it's got a lot of redundant pieces, a lot of moving pieces, right? The the key cards that you need are free sack outlets, um, chief among them being Wostrider, Priest of Forgotten Gods, and Yawgmoth, and then Sacrifice Matters stuff, and that's all the sort of Blood Artist variants. So Blood Artist, Sanguine Brush Stroke, which makes a Blood Artist, Bastion of Remembrance, Cruel Celebrant, Mayhem Devil, And then Sacrifice Fodder, which can come in many forms, certainly recurrable one drops or reassembling skeleton, two for one creatures, you know, something that acquisition expert, maybe like a card comes into play, takes a card from your opponent, and then it's just a body hanging around for uh, for you to sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into your day two draft log. Yeah, for sure. So I I did this in day one, uh, had, like I said, a bad deck. For uh, the first draft, went 0-2 and then forced it again. Um, for my second draft, went 7-2. And now here we are for uh, for day two, draft one. All right, folks, you're Ethan Sachs. <laughs> you're sitting down in front of your computer, coffee in hand, I assume. Oh, for sure. Ready for pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. There's a Forsaken Crossroads as the best land in the pack. ETBs tapped. When it ETBs, choose a color. 
When it enters, scry one. If you weren't the starting player, you can untap it instead, and then you tap to add one mana of the chosen color. There's a Ral Storm Conduit, two blue red for the four loyalty planeswalker. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. You can plus two to scry one or minus two to copy your next instant or sorcery spell this turn. There's Grim Lava Mancer, as I think probably the best red card in the pack. Red one one, and you can pay red tap, exile two cards from your graveyard, deals two damage to any target. And then I think the best white card in the pack is probably Wandering Emperor. Two white, white, three loyalty planeswalker has flash. And when it ETB this turn, you can activate her loyalty abilities anytime you could activate an instant. Plus one, put a plus plus one counter on target creature, gains first strike. Minus one to make a two two samurai or minus two to exile target tap creature, you gain two. Yeah, this is obviously a pretty underwhelming pack in terms of my strategy. There's like really no cards that I'm excited about for the deck. The only two black cards in the pack, or I guess three black cards in the pack, there's Malakir Rebirth, the MDFC that can save a creature, uh, Transmogrant's Crown, that's the equipment from Bro that's sort of like the, you know, solved skull clamp or whatever. And then Phyrexian Flesh Gorger is the seven mana, seven five with prototype uh, one black black. But none of those cards are like really important for the style of deck that I want to draft. So I landed on Forsaken Crossroads myself. If I was not forcing this deck, I think I would land on Wandering Emperor. Like if this was just a normal cube draft, Wandering Emperor, maybe Ral and try and draft the blue-red spells deck. But I took Crossroads here, which I think is the best land in the cube. The decks that I often end up in, base black, you know, black-white, black-red, black-green, but they're often splashing a third color. So I think Crossroads is reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I agree. Wandering Emperor is, I think, the best card in the pack. And then I think Lavamancer and Storm Conduit also just lead you down different paths. So it's what kind of a deck you want to draft. Wandering Emperor starts you down a white path, not necessarily aggressive, like that's just a premium card. Lava Mancer would be the I really want to try hard to get into a red aggressive deck pick. And then Ral is the best card, I think, for the blue red copy spells deck. So Mm -hmm. seeing that pack one pick one here is totally reasonable to take it and try to draft blue red spells also. But I like the Forsaken Crossroads pick if you're not about any of those other lives. Yeah, and that was not what I was about. All right, pack one pick two, you see the following cards. If you want to continue down the lands route, there's Fabled Passage, another premium land in the cube. Also, there are so many lands in this cube. So many lands in the paint, like pain lands feel they're not great. <laughs> like it's tough because I feel like the general wisdom for cube is like you can take lands super highly, but I don't know. I really want to figure out what my deck is first. I mean, contrary to taking crossroads first, I really want to figure out what my deck is first before I start taking lands, you know? Yeah. Fabled Passage, good here though. There's Hourglass Coven, speaking of premium six drop finishers. There's also a Gilded Goose as a one mana ramper. Eidolon of the Great Revel for the mono red deck. That's the red red 2-2 that punishes people for casting spells three or less. And then like Crystalline Giant, Karn, Cyan of Urza as some fine colorless cards. Yeah, Angel Fire Ignition also in the pack has really impressed me. That's the one red white flashback spell. Puts two plus almost one counters on target creature and then it gains like every keyword in the book. Though I always think it gains double strike but it doesn't um that card has impressed me a lot that's far from what i'm doing i mean i'm, I'm just taking hourglass coven here i you know i thought about goose a little bit because i'm so averse to taking expensive cards early certainly but i know i want to get into base black and i don't know if it's going to be black white black red or black green like if i knew i was black green maybe you take goose because and especially if you have something like mayhem devil because goose makes a rectangle that you can sacrifice etc but I just took the coven here. So there's a couple things I want to unpack. One, I think personally, I think I would be on goose over coven here. I think the, the cheap ramp is too important to pass up. Do love the six drop finishers. I do. But goose, I think, is premium in the green decks. But oh, I agree. Neither here nor there. I think 
one of the things that you said that is interesting that I want to unpack a little bit is that like you want to be black. So you're taking hourglass coven here because that's what you want to do. That's way easier to do in cube than in other formats, correct? Yes. Yeah. Cube is so much more. I mean, so many of the coaching sessions that I had this week about cube, it it was, it's so rare that a cube pack has a correct pick, right? A, a pick that you can show, you know, 10 very good drafters. They're all going to agree on it, right? You show 10 cube drafters, this pack, they're going to land on half a dozen different cards. And so it's not about what I tweeted this. Cause I think this like came up over and over. It's not about identifying the correct card. It's about identifying what the path is that the card you take is going to lead you down. And so the other thing I want to throw at you, you take Hourglass Coven here, and let's say you take some black cards and then realize black is cut. Did you have an off-ramp plan for black going into these drafts if black wasn't open? No, I assumed that if black wasn't open, that something else would present itself to me pretty obviously, because my experience this week was that black is so rarely cut that if that was going to happen, I imagined that like mono red, mono white, something was going to smack me in the face otherwise. That's so funny because I just felt like I could not get into black decks without people fighting me for the cards. I mean, I yeah, that, uh, knock on wood, that has not happened to me yet. And hopefully it doesn't happen to me in my next draft because I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> All right, moving on to pack one, pick three. You got an hourglass coven in your pile. Let's see the following cards as options. There's Infernal Grasp as a removal spell. One black destroy a creature at instant speed. There's Null Priest of Oblivion, the two one that can reanimate something if you kick it. And not a ton else as far as non-black cards. This pack is very uninteresting. Like the best card in the pack might be Commit to Memory. Yeah, I mean, nothing exciting about this pack. Um, and I have found, you know, one of the <laughs> classic Lords of Limited is that you don't draft enough removal spells in cube. But I've definitely found myself, especially because I'm in these base black decks, being like, I, I'll get removal, I'll get removal. And then I don't really. I have like one piece of interaction. It gets, it's hard because your deck is so like resilient to a lot of things. But there are often, there are going to be, as we've talked about these six and seven mana plays, there's going to be threats you need to answer. And Infernal Grasp, just being two mana, get the thing dead, has probably emerged as the best of those effects in the cube. But a little early to take a card like that when there's a card that's so good, like Null Priest of Oblivion. I mean, just the flexibility on this card, two mana, two, one mana, lifelink is great. And then being able to rebuy a creature is awesome. Well, and I think also, if you did not already have Hourglass Coven, I think I would be on Infernal Grasp here, personally, mm. like if it were just another good black card. But the fact that it's something that you so definitely want to be able to reanimate also, I think, bumps Null Priest up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we've got Hourglass Coven, Null Priest, Forsaken Crossroads. Here it is, folks. Pick <laughs> one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's really nothing as far as black cards except for Allurus of the Dream Den, that companion life baby. And then next best cards in the pack. Like I've been very impressed with old Retstein in the cube. Yeah. Uh, one black green for a one four and triggers when an ETB is and it's your upkeep and you mill something. And then depending on what you mill, you get a different token, a treasure, a blood or a one one insect token. Just continual fodder for a lot of these sacrifice decks. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Makes a lot of rectangles, right? It crushes rectangle theory in all quadrants for sure. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know if green was going to be my secondary color and I'd already passed a goose. Um, and I did know that Luris would be good in my base black deck. And I took it knowing full well I was not companioning Luris. I know that Luris is a trap in cube. You know, maybe if this was just a regular Wednesday stream for me, sure, we throw Hourglass Coven in the sideboard and we say we're doing it. But no, I'm not doing that here. But it's still very good in in uh, just regular black sack decks. 
Absolutely. And I don't know that we've specifically shouted out rectangle theory on the podcast. And I think we're <laughs> going to dive into this a little bit next week in a bro episode for those of you that may be confused right now. But literally just like the idea that the more pieces of rectangles, the more cardboard you get on the battlefield in bro, the better off you are. Yeah, just like it's a way to sort of lump together cards, tokens, unearth creatures that turn you unearth them. Like those are all just rectangles in my mind. And I think bro is about maximizing those. And that's definitely, you know, traveled over to cube for me for sure all right pack one pick five see the following cards as options there's a Vraska golgari queen two black green for the planeswalker that can destroy non-land permanents three or less and also just churn you into action by sacrificing permanents which you want to do in this deck also and then there's a kaya the inexorable three white black for the five loyalty planeswalker can put ghost counters on things to save them and exile non-land permanence as well by down ticking. Yeah, this was tough. I mean, Vraska is a card and I would talk about the wheel a lot. One of the things that I think is really important for these decks is pegging cards that can wheel cards that are very often underappreciated or undertaken. And Vraska Golgari queen certainly fits that bill. But I, you know, and there, there's a world where old Rutstein wheels, because I think that's probably an underappreciated card as well. There's a world where that can wheel and then Vraska wheels, and that's fine. But I think Kaya is just primo, primo. And I think the Planeswalkers in general, a lot of them in the cube are quite strong. And I think Kaya fits that bill for sure. Yeah, I think honestly, for the reason you mentioned, I like Vraska a ton, almost as much as I like Kaya. Both of them are great. I think I would take Vraska here trying to wheel the mm. old Rutstein because of how much I've enjoyed that card in these black based sacrifice decks. Well, and I think worth shouting out that there's a Seder Wayfinder in this pack that is also quite likely to wheel if you take Vraska. Like that that was definitely in my mind. I was like, all right, I can take Kaya, which I think is the most powerful card here. Or I could think about starting to dip my toe into being black green and take either Vraska or Wayfinder and wheel the other one. Right. Well, and I think one of the other things that black green does really well in this cube is almost every card it plays is just a good card yes on its own and then there's also generally some synergy there as well if you build your deck right and keep an eye out for it and normally the cube adage is that you know black green is gold garbage like it's not a premium archetype or not good at all because it's very straightforward and the cards do what they say which i think is a drawback when you're playing against you know time walk decks that draw seven and you know do all sorts of other busted eldrazi plays on turn two and vintage cube but in this cube you're just playing games of magic and the fact that you get to play a lot of great cards that can win the game on their own i think is a boon not a drawback totally agree all right so we've got kaya pack one pick five Moving on to pick six, this is where things start to settle in. You got a couple cards as options. One is Cruel Celebrant, one, two, one of those drain and gain cards when a creature dies. And Rankle, Master of Pranks, two black, black for the three, three, that when it connects, it's got flying and haste, can make players discard a card, lose a life and draw a card, or sacrifice a creature. This was really hard for me, <laughs> to be honest. And <laughs> and it's, again, talking about the wheel, which is on my mind a lot with these decks. If this is like pack one, pick three, this is a very easy rankle in my mind because I assume Cruel Celebrant can wheel. And if it doesn't wheel, that lets me know that I'm in, in trouble in this pod, you know? But pack one, pick six, like there's going to be two cards left in this pack. It's just not reliable enough. And I think I took Kaya, so I'm starting to dip a toe into white. I decided to take Cruel Celebrant here as a two drop. There's not that many of the gain and drain creatures in the cube, so I grab one here. Yeah, I like this pick. And this is also a nod to you got to push your curve lower in cube, right? Yes. Rankle is an objectively more powerful card, but Cruel Celebrant is cheaper and a more important synergy piece for the deck you're trying to draft. And I think important to note, like I've played Rankle a ton in cube, and certainly there are games where it absolutely crushes and takes over. 
there are also games where it doesn't do that much. Like your opponent can block it or your opponent has things in play, like, or you can't attack with it. And then it's just a hill giant. Like it's, it's ceiling is certainly high, but it doesn't always do that thing. Yeah. All right. Moving on to pack one, pick seven. You see the following cards as options. The, fo- the following card as yeah, options. This is this is the hashtag not correct uh, Carl Twitter <laughs> right. series. Yeah. There's still a Luminarch Aspirin in this pack, pick seven, which is not right. Uh, one and a white for a one one at the beginning of combat on your turn. Put a plus plus one counter on target creature you control. It might be the best white creature in the cube. Full stop. Like it's so good and makes me feel really good to see it here. Following up the Kaya into the Cruel Celebrant and. I think this is the pick where I go, all right, I guess I'm black white as the base here. Yeah. And this is great that you get a lock in already pack one, yes. pick seven. And I, I agree. This is the time to lock. Like otherwise prior to the cruel celebrant pick, if you feel like black white sacrifice isn't open, you're fine abandoning celebrant and pivoting towards black, whatever, you know, there's a hanger back walker in the pack, which is totally fine in these decks. Like it's not anything to write home about, but you know, it is a thing you can sacrifice and then creates more rectangles to sacrifice, but Aspirant is premium. Moving on to pack one, pick eight. You get another sweet pickup here in Patriarch's Humiliation. I don't think there's anything else in consideration in the pack. The white instant that deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control and then makes the creature perpetually lose all abilities. No, I mean, there's a Lunark veteran in the pack that's the one drop with Disturb. Like, I would happily take here too, but Patriarch's Humiliation is, again, a premium removal spell. And then really important to note when we get to the wheel of my first pack, which wasn't exciting at all, but three cards that I would be interested in are still here, and that's Malakir Rebirth, Transmogrant's Crown, and now Shattered Sanctum, which is a black-white dual land. Yeah, so you got to feel good about that. Some white cards that are good missing as well. So yes. white's pretty contested. Blade Splicer's gone, Wandering Emperor's gone, and Sarah Paragon are gone, as well as the Phyrexian Fleshgorger. So four white and black cards gone. Yeah, but I think, you know, Fleshgorger is not that important in my mind, though of course I would I would play it, but just happy to see the sort of cheap cards that go with the sacrifice stuff and Malachi Rebirth as a modal double-faced card I think is uh, is a really good pickup here. Also, I want to know who picked all these white cards and did not select Luminarch Aspirant. <laughs> That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no idea what was in that pack. Yeah, it's a great question. All right. So you grab a Malachi Rebirth there. Moving on to pick 10. Rounding things out here as the pack uh, ends up, you get an overgrown tomb. Frequently, you are splashing green in these types of decks. Pick 11, you pick up a reassembling skeleton. That's a super important piece to be able to, um, you know, once the, the game stalls out, you've got six, seven, eight mana. You can sack four times for free in a turn or something, you know, with reassembling skeleton. Mm-hmm. Pick 12, pretty blank. Pick 13, you get that Seder Wayfinder on the wheel but that's not something you're interested in at this point with as focused as you are. And important to note that Vraska is missing. Like if Vraska had wheeled, I snap that and then I'm like, well, I've got this overgrown tomb. I've got this crossroads. That's a pretty easy splash in this deck. But it being missing, I think, is information as well. Yes, I don't think Vraska should wheel there. Vraska is premium, not top 20, but it's like top 50 cards in the cube. Yeah, but you and I are the only people who think that. <laughs> like <laughs> that card wheels all. I'm <laughs> yeah, we need we need uh, outside voices. This we might be an echo chamber here on Lords of Limited. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Back one pick 14. There's a reality chip and a red green duel pick 15. So taking stock of where you are at the end of pack one, you've got this Malakiri birth, Patriarch humiliation in the one drop slot. You've got skeleton, celebrant, aspirant and null priest of oblivion in the two drop slot. You've got Luris in the three, Kaya in the five and hourglass coven in the six plus your Forsaken Crossroads. How do you feel right now? What are you hoping to pick up? Where are you hoping to go? I feel really good, um, but I still need a lot of pieces, right? The things that are most important are the sacrifice outlets, right? The Woe Strider, the Priest, the Ogmoths, whatever. 
and the things that care about stuff dying, which I still need blood artist. I need sanguine brushstroke, you know, things like that. Like I have cruel celebrant, but I need those pieces. But in terms of this lane feeling open, I'm feeling pretty confident. Right. You're not really black, white sacrificey at all yet. You just have a bunch of good black and white cards. And we didn't shout out a lot of other cards once we got past the first few picks because black and white were the best cards in the pack. So fortunate that you wanted to to draft this deck and that it was open, but also that is part of the reason that you want to draft this deck is that you do expect that it's open a lot, right? Cor- correct. Yeah. All right. So moving on to pack two, pick one, you see the following cards as options. There's an acquisitions expert, uh, one or black for the one, two, and ETBs target opponent reveals equal to your party, and they discard uh, one of those cards of your choice. There's a black white duel in bright climb pathway. There's worm coil engine, Ooh, baby, <laughs> and a couple of awesome green cards here. Actually, three awesome green cards here in Jugan defends the temple, born Clex, and scavenging use. Yeah, for sure. This is you know much like my first pack was not a great open for the deck I want to draft specifically. I think you could make an argument for Worm Coil Engine, but I'm already feeling a little constrained at the top of my curve in this deck. I already have a five drop and a six drop that I really want to play. I was looking at the twos in this deck. There's Acquisition Expert, there's Blade of the Oni, and Reckoner Bankbuster, and I guess Lion Sash. None of those are cards that I'm super interested in. So after a lot of hemming and hawing, I decided on just taking the pathway, which are, are some of my least favorite lands in the cube for sure, because they don't, you have to choose, right? They don't tap for one or the other. Like if this was a straight up black, white dual land, I would feel a lot better about it. Pathway I like a little less. So that's what I took here. Yeah, this is the first pick where I really disagree or would have pushed differently. I think Jugan and Wormcoil are both just insane cards here. So I would happily take Wormcoil. And if you wanted to dip into green, like I probably would have already been a little more green having having taken the the black green planeswalker would happily take Jugan here. But I also think you're in a spot where you could just I guess Jugan's a little less good on the splash. So you probably aren't in a spot where you can take Jugan here. But I do like Wormcoil Engine quite a lot. Yeah, I like it too. And if I didn't already have Coven, I would feel better about taking it. But the fact that I already had a six, I don't want that many. Like I take Wormcoil Engine here and I, I feel like I just can't take any more. Right, but I think you have two of the best if <laughs> you take Ormcoil Engineer. Right, but like my yeah, I think this might now, now that we're like getting into the weeds a little bit, I do think this is something we just think differently about in the cube. That like I'm fine to get whatever, Noxious Gear Hulk or Sanctuary Warden later if I want a six. And like, yeah, it's worse than Wormcoil, but not by that much. Yeah, I agree. But all four of those cards are premium and you shouldn't be ending up with the option to take all four of those, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. All right. So you grab the black white duel there. You're a little sad about the open. Moving on to pack two, pick two. You see the following cards as options. This is kind of another rough pack for you. There's not good black or white cards. So there's Ultra Ball, which is a little awkward because you exile like to do the thing instead of sacrifice. If it were sacrifice to return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, you'd be all about it. But not really right the piece here. And then Intrepid Adversary as the one in a white three one with lifelink that you can pay uh, kickers to put plus and plus on counters on it. Not what black white wants. And then best card in the pack is a Seekus Chariot three and a green. For the 4-4 that makes two cats when ETBs. Yeah, I, you know, I was hemming and hawing between Alter and Adversary. There's also a Simeon Simulacrum in the pack as well from Brothers War. But I was like, I, what do I want? Oh, there's a makeshift munitions too. It's an enchantment that lets me sacrifice in red. Like none of these cards were feeling good. And then I was like, oh wait, Chariot is not the alchemy version. It's busted. I'm going to take that. And I also have the Overgrown Tomb 
from the end of pack one to sort of enable that splash. Yeah. So you have the crossroads and the overgrown tomb already. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not going to be that hard for me to find one more dual land and then it's free. And this is a really powerful card. Yes. Top 10 cards in the cube, I think. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on to pack two, pick three. You see the following cards as options. There's several goodies for you here. There's Witch of the Moors, the 4-4 with Death Touch that has a life gain payoff. There's Wedding Announcement. That card's been super impressive in the white aggro decks. And then there's Babala Saga, Ooh, home favorite. Yes. One black green for the 3-3. Three, three. You can sack three permanents. And if they were different types, you drain three, gain three, and draw three cards. That card has been sweet. I got to shout that out. That's another card that like wheels all the time. I had that in my qualifying deck yesterday. The other very sweet thing that I got to do against my opponent they cast Star of Extinction on one of my lands to try and sweep the board. <laughs> when you blanked it with Baba But I have Baba Saga, so I just sacked an artifact creature and a land and then drained them for three and blanked their card. <laughs> oh my god, that's so filthy. Baba yeah. Saga should wheel, though. It is a very yes. narrow card. Yes, I mean, it's great in these decks, but I like, I'm definitely looking at that card and going, that's gonna wheel. Like, I mean, important to note, Old Rutstein and Vraska did not. So like maybe someone's drafting black green and and takes this card, but probably not. Probably not yet. It's a very powerful, but very narrow card. Other things in the pack, there's a Realm Cloak Giant, the Wrath, destroy all non-giant creatures, and then mm-hmm. it comes with a 7-7 seven, seven after your Wrath. I've also been super impressed with Gix, Yawgmoth yeah. Crater. This is one black black for a 3-3. Three, three. And whenever creatures deal damage, you can pay one to draw a card for each creature that connects. That can snowball pretty hard. Yeah, that card has been really impressive. I've always had tough choices with it. I had it in my qualifying deck yesterday. Pack one, pick one, Gix versus Sanguine Brushstroke. And I was like, I know the deck I want to draft. And I took Brushstroke and I was happy about it. But like Gix has been very oppressive against me. Here's a pick I want to run by you that I face multiple times. Two four drops. Where are you at between Yawgmoth, Thran Physician, and Shieldred early in the draft? I faced that like three times yesterday. I'm taking Yawgmoth myself because I know the deck I want to end up in. If you're not as interested in ending up in that deck, I think Shieldred is a more powerful card. I took Yawgmoth every time too, but it was tough every time. Yeah. Um, So this pack, I decided I like Witch of the Moors. I've got a little bit of life gain already with Cruel Celebrant, Null Priest of Oblivion, and Luris of the Dream Den. And I'm assuming Babala Saga can wheel, which is another way to gain life. For sure. Yeah, like grabbing the witch here. Moving on to pack two, pick four, another fairly empty pack. Are you getting nervous at all at this point? So in this pack, there is is Woodland Cemetery, a black-green duel. There's Frexian Arena, which is not a great card in cube that lets you draw two cards every turn, but you got to lose a life. It is if it's 2013. Yeah. (laughs) It was a good cube card 10 years ago, but not anymore. There's also Village Rights here as a cheap sacrifice outlet, black for an instant, uh, as initial cost cast, sack a creature to draw two cards. But I'm looking at this pack and I am nervous on your behalf, friend. Yeah, I mean, you know, Village Rights is a card I like to play. The Village Rights are deadly dispute as like one-off sacrifice outlets, I think are good. But, you know, I have the Chariot in the pile. I'm thinking the Babala Saga is going to wheel. So I decided, look, it's not ideal to take this pick for, but snapping up the black green land and assuming that I can, you know, get that spell on the wheel and enable that splash. I'm, I'm okay with that. Sure. And just to kind of put this out in the open, there is very little wiggle room at this point. Would you agree? Yes, I'm, I'm in. And then that was my plan this weekend. Like if I happen to be in a draft where I'm in the five, 10% of the time where this deck isn't really open for me, Well, that stinks, but I think I'm going to be much happier forcing this and getting into the deck almost always successfully 
versus like starting off with Alrin's epiphany and something else. And then blue is cut and watching this deck pass me by and then having regrets, you know, like, I think I was just like, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. No, sure. And I think that's good. But you also do still have some wiggle room here, right? Like you're drafting three colors, essentially. And with what you have, it wouldn't be the end of the world to abandon white and play green. Like you've got some wiggle room still. Yes, but, you know, largely locked in terms of colors and and kind of strategy, right? I mean, I'm not not going to be aggressive at this point. I'm certainly going to be either attrition-y, if not full-on, you know, value sacrifice. So moving on to pack two, pick five. See the this following pick, cards why, as Why do I have to options. make this choice, you know? Yeah, this pack is chock full of goodies. So there's Sanguine Brushstroke here. That's the enchantment that conjures a blood artist. There's either Sphere Harvester is just a fine vehicle in the format. There's Priest of Fell Rites, which is insane in your deck. And then there's also a Noxious Gear Hulk. But this is, again, a spot where I have no eyes for Noxious Gear Hulk here. Oh, interesting. That was what it was between for me. No, because the other pick was Wormcoil versus a land. And I think uh, lands are great. There are a billion lands in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And I think if your deck is open... You also generally wheel the lands late because there are a billion lands in this cube. Mm-hmm. But yeah, between Brushstroke and Priest here, and I, I like what you landed on, which is Brushstroke. Yeah, I took Brushstroke. There's only so many of the Blood Artist effects in the cube, so it's a bummer to have to take this here. But you know, maybe something nice wheels for me. You know, there's a Black Green Pathway, Reclamation Sage, whatever. There's some good stuff. Yeah, moving on to Pack One, Pick Six. Back to those empty packs. Yeah. That- so there's Usher of the Fallen here, white for a 2-1 with Boast, uh, one and a white, make a 1-1 one, one human warrior creature token. There's Brushland as a bad white-green pain land, and nothing else really. Yeah, I took the pain land. I wasn't happy about it, but I know that Usher does not belong in this deck. Well, that's what I want to ask you about. I kind of agree, generally. Is there any world where you're considering it, though, because it poops out a 1-1 one, one and can kind of snowball? Nah, I mean, it's just so low impact for the mana you have to dump into it. I don't know. It really wasn't on my radar at all. And maybe it should have been. And maybe that's a leak for me in terms of like not thinking about, well, what are like the versions of this deck I could end up in? You know, I have the Luminarch Aspirant. Maybe I'm a bit more assertive, but I I wasn't thinking that way. Well, I I agree. I think it just depends on where you want to end up or where you see yourself ending up. I think there is a version of Black White where Usher is a playable card for sure we've got luminarch aspirant but what you said about it being too low impact of a card i think is important and this is a cube trap that you can fall into pretty easily like you could make a case for it belonging here right like it's a two one that poops out one ones you want the one ones to sacrifice but ultimately it's low impact and you want like a tight synergy machine and it doesn't really belong it's not efficient enough synergistically to belong in a black white sacrifice deck but if you include it then I think it's like actively bad unless you're a very focused, <laughs> aggressive version, you know? That's like, what so I think. For, for Usher to be good, you have to be 100% in on aggro. You can't be like 60% in on aggro with an Usher of the Fallen. I think it's also worth shouting out. I mean, my mana will likely be good, but it's a white one drop and I've got a lot of double black pipped cards in my deck. And so like, I don't want to end up in this like weird tension with my mana base where I have to support the double black stuff, but also I'm worried about can I cast Usher on turn one, you know? No, sure. Absolutely. I completely agree. I don't think Usher belongs here, but I just, I think it's important to talk about this stuff for Q because I think this is 
a trap that people could fall into, right? We give the advice, you want to push your curve lower, you want to push your curve lower. This is like a fine one drop that looks like it kind of goes along with your theme, Mm -hmm. but it's really bad here for you, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to pack two, pick seven, the hits keep coming. (laughs) Not coming, you mean. (laughs) Not not coming as the case were. Uh, But yeah, there's essentially blank. There's a Pilgrim's Eye as some bad fixing. There's an Endotha Triome as some premium fixing for you. That's the white, black, green Triland. And then there's a Professor Onyx as a, a very redundant six drop here. Yeah, I've not been impressed by Professor Onyx because like it wants like the Magecraft static ability like really wants you to have a lot of spells. My black decks don't have a lot of, you know, instance or sorceries in them very often. So I don't like that card very much. I was toying with Pilgrim's Eye because if I'm thinking that Babala Saga is going to wheel, it being an artifact creature is nice. Um, but I ultimately landed on, look, I'm, I'm not going to, in my ideal version of this deck, I'm not going to have a problem making playables. Taking the Triome is nice. Yeah, I like the Triome pick here. All right, moving on to pack two, pick eight. You get a Guardian Idol out of a largely empty pack. And again, that's not even something you're really interested in in this deck. No, I mean, this one more than some because, you know, I do have a four drop, a couple fives and a six right now. And so I'm not mad about it. Again, you can make it an artifact creature, sacrifice it to Babala Saga. But I agree, largely, I don't care that much about the mana rocks in these decks. I, You ended up with a very good deck. I watched this deck. I am wondering how on earth that happened. <laughs> Pack two, pick eight here. I mean, yeah, it it, it comes together in pack three. So pack two, pick nine on the wheel. You grab a blade of the Oni. Pick 10, you wheel a Simeon Simulacrum. Pick 11, you do wheel that Babala Saga, which is Mm -hmm. huge. Pick 12, you wheel the Village Rites, which is awesome. So all those cards that we noted that weren't quite good enough to pick, but belonged in your deck, wheel here in pick two. Yeah. Wheel here in pack two. Yeah, which is where you want to be with this deck, I think. I mean, so certainly we, I think it's underpowered and you'll note like Babala Saga and Village Rites, which I get pick 12 and pick 13, are my only actual sacrifice outlets so far. I've got Cruel Celebrant and Brushstroke, but I really need the stuff to come together here in pack three and luckily it does, except I get another dud of a pack three pick one, I think. You really do. So I think you're still thinking your base black white here, despite having some green cards. Correct. So there's like a paradise druid. If you were base green, there's farewell, but a black white deck doesn't want a wrath so much. No. Despite us shouting out the wrath because you're really trying to flood the board with rectangles, not take them away. And especially like sometimes you can have a wrath like my opponent did in my round one today. You know, they had a blood artist in play and then they cast languish. But and so that's a way to like, you know, drain for a bunch of triggers and a full board. But for well doesn't even do that. So I think it's like actively worse than like a day of judgment would be in this kind of deck. And then speaking of those six drops, you see another premium one here in Sanctuary Warden, the four white white angel that comes with two shield counters. Yeah. And that is what I ended up on here and, you know, wasn't really happy with it. But I was like, well, I, I do have room for a six drop here and and this can be serviceable for me. Yeah. That card is better than serviceable. That card is a house. This is my first time playing with it, and I was very happy with it in this deck. It was it got me out of many jams for sure. It's really good because it doesn't die. It also puts things on the board to sacrifice. It yep. tells you cards. It's, it's it's very good. I'm going to be honest. The first time I cast it today, I immediately was like, yep, definitely want to remove the counter to get the one one. And then it drew me a card and I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it totally broken. Card. This card is broken. Okay, because I was just like, oh, yeah, makes a couple of bodies. How good is that for me? But here is my run of sacrifice outlets. I get Priest of Forgotten Gods, pack three, pick two. I get Gonti as value, pack three, pick three. Woe Strider, pack three, pick four. Yawgmoth Thran Physician, pack three, pick five, which I have to make <laughs> the choice 
between Yawgmoth and Blood Artist, pack three, pick five, which felt bad. But I think given the fact that I had Celebrant and Brushstroke already, I landed on Yawgmoth. Yeah, and then pick six, you get another Blood Artist effect in yeah. LSO Core. Right. Holy cow, this is a build it and it will come situation. A real Field of Dreams moment for you here. I, it definitely came together in pack three for sure, but I got lucky, but also went in knowing that I was likely to get lucky in this respect. So yeah, that's the deck I ended up in and largely very happy with how I built it. I ended up cutting reassembling skeleton, which felt pretty low impact and bringing in reclamation sage because I'd sided it in so much that I was like, eh, might as well just start it. I stopped drafting those cards. I could not find targets for reclamation sage effects all of day one. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. I had that. I had Lauren, like in almost every deck I built, and they were just always two ones. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. We had very, very, very different experiences for like what you would think are large sample sizes for a person, you know? I mean, I just, I, I've come to the conclusion that I ran really badly. And I, I do think there was a stretch in the middle there where I was playing badly as well because I was tilted. But like I ran pretty poorly. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. That happens. So that's uh, the run for day two draft one there. And I mean, this might be maybe people are just rolling their eyes. They're like Ethan's on his usual nonsense of whatever. But I do think you I mean, not that you have to go in and force like an underrated archetype that you like to play like I did. But I do think having a plan like that for cube or at least the very least having a plan for each of your picks is just like the, the importance of that cannot be understated. Is this deck underrated? This deck's very good. I think this archetype is very underrated by, I mean, I mean, you're saying it's hard for you to get into black decks. I can get into this deck like every cube draft, I feel like if I want to. I'm telling you, there were times that I like pack one, pick three, took a Yawgmoth with a Cruel Celebrant in the pack multiple times and the Cruel Celebrant didn't wheel. Like that card should wheel every draft. Yeah. <laughs> It, it just, I just had pods where people were trying to draft this deck. I don't know. Well, I hope those people did not make day two, or at least <laughs> did not make pod two of day two, because uh, I'm going to try and run it back in about an hour. Yeah, good luck, good luck. Any parting thoughts for the Cube community here before we go? I love Cube a lot. I know some people, it's not for some people. I know some people find it really daunting. I think one of the things, especially in this era of data, you know, I saw a big Twitter thread about like cube data. And I, you know, it's hard for me to not roll my eyes at something like that, because I feel like cube data feels so hard to be useful, because cube is so much about like enacting your preferences. And, you know, you're, you're not going to land on a sort of you know, consensus best card out of a pack. Like I said, a lot of times you can look at a pack and make arguments for four, five, six of those cards being correct. It's just about where you want to end up, what kind of deck do you want to draft? And that I think is the biggest hurdle or the biggest thing to wrap your head around. And the biggest difference between a regular limited format and cube is that like you have the freedom to do that. And you honestly have to do that to draft a successful deck. Yeah, completely agree. And I think if you're on the fence, you should try it. I mean, playing cube makes you better at magic full stop. And I think of cubes to get into the arena cube is a pretty straightforward one i think it's a good way to dip your toe in like something like the tinkerer's cube is much harder to get into yeah. because it's much more synergistic and the cards that are good are less obvious or the decks that are really good are less obvious like the arena cube is you know draft a really good curve have some synergy play some great cards like it's a i think it's very approachable as far as cubes go. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think you should try it. It's up for the next couple of weeks. And then maybe, you know, what do you, you graduate from Arena Cube, hop on over to MTGO. Everybody who has an MTGO account has a free vintage cube draft waiting for them. So go fire that up as well. And, uh, 
you know, Force Storm. Well, maybe not Forcing Storm, <laughs> but I, I also think the Vintage Cube is pretty approachable too in its own way because there are such defined archetypes. Like mm-hmm. it is it is easy, I think, to teach people the Vintage Cube compared to something like Tinkerer's Cube or something like that on Arena. Yeah, I think so. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Best of luck to you in your second draft in day two. Hopefully we will be reporting back that you got that cash money. Thank you, sir. And thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to TCGplayer.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you are in need of some magic product, if you're in need of some sweet written content and you want a TCG Player subscription, please navigate your way over there via our affiliate link at lordsoflimited.com slash TCGplayer. And you can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. up folks we got a special kind of uh blooper today but it's not really a blooper because i'm just uh recording this and talking to you but thought i'd just let you know right away how the second draft went and we went two one which means min cash for 500 bucks uh definitely started off with my usual <laughs> usual nonsense plan here took bastion of remembrance first into hourglass coven again second called conscript third messed around with blue a little bit with an alrin's epiphany fourth but got priest of forgotten gods fifth and then a Lolth Spider Queen 8th. So knew I was uh, going to be base black for sure. Ended up uh, black, green, splashing red for Immersturm Predator. But actually none of the like Blood Artist effects other than Bastion of Remembrance. So it was much more of like a black, green, good cards deck with uh, some recursion. With uh, some recursion, three Planeswalkers, a really good top end with Coven and Noxious Gearhulk. Lost to a really good version of a blue-red, it wasn't quite spells deck. We definitely faced blue-red spells round one, green-white round two, and then round three. Fell to a a blue-red mid-range deck, I want to say. Had some counter spells, had some... Had some counter magic, had some burn, um, but uh, in the end, it was Tyrant of Courages that did us in. Um, So yeah, uh, excited to report the winnings and uh, hope y'all are enjoying the cube.